Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding. As you probably saw by the title of the podcast, this is a very, very special episode with a very special guest. And I got to do the call out already. Another fellow Buffalo Bills fan. That's ultimately the Buffalo Bills made all of this happen and come together. But yeah, some big news to share in the world of Elevar and ultimately the impact it's going to have on all of you, our customers, which I'm excited to get into. Jim Swift, CEO of Buxton. Welcome. And... uh I think we just got to cut right to the chase. So you want to uh, spill the beans and let everyone know uh, what just went down? Uh, the Bills just uh, won, a, won a game against the Dolphins to get us into the playoffs. That's what just went down. And yeah. now we're on our way to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's our turn to finally win one. Yeah. Well, well, I think, uh, I think what you're referring to, Brad, is uh, the acquisition of Elevar by Buxton. And uh, I couldn't be more excited about joining forces and, and uh, going and having some fun together and bringing some new solutions to our customers. Yeah. Awesome. Well, most everyone listening to this podcast, at least for the last two years, we've had it. Many of our customers, all of our partners, many that I've known for a long time. So before we just jump into the like, what should all of our customers expect and what's going to happen immediately, let's just talk about Buxton and talk about what... Maybe share a little bit about the solutions that Buxton today provides for retailers. You know this, but those listening... Many, many all of our customers, they're, they're DTC brands, but also many have their own retail locations, which is really where Buxton has excelled for the last 30 years. So yeah, what, is, what does Buxton do? Yeah, let me give you a little bit of history that might make a little more sense for people. Buxton's been around for 30 years. It actually started before the internet, helping retailers figure out who their customers were. So they could do things like figure out where to put stores and then market to those customers. And it's evolved over time to be more and more of a rounded out marketing solutions company based on those same customer analytics. And so in parallel, I've been a huge fan of one-to-one marketing for my entire career. And most of the businesses that I've been involved in, we've been trying to figure out how can we help improve the relationship between a brand or a retailer and consumers. And data access and processing power and cost and those things have always gotten in the way. So I've, I've had several different business opportunities and uh, they've gone well. And for the next adventure, it became a matter of how can I really add more value to fixing this problem, right? The relationship between brands and consumers. And so I've been working with a private equity firm, PSG, for a couple of years now to figure out what the best approach was to really create a special company in the industry. And uh, a little over a year ago, we acquired Buxton as our starting point. So we found this company with 30 years of experience with really rich capabilities in understanding consumers and helping retailers improve those relationships. And so we said, this is a great launch point. And so Buxton works with some of the biggest brands in the industry. It's predominantly, historically at least, been retailers that have stores. And even different types of retailers like restaurants and hospitality companies and healthcare organizations. But they have physical presence and it, it, you still need to understand who those customers are. How do I get more customers that look like my best customers? How do I understand the opportunity I have within my customer base to get them from low spenders with a ton of potential into what they really could be with us? So Buxton 
it just makes sense for us now to uh, to continue to evolve more and more into the e-commerce space. And that's where the fit with Elevar, it just it makes too much sense, right? Yeah. The the data guy in me and product guy in me wants to go really deep into all the product things we've been doing behind the scenes the last couple of months. But I'm gonna I'm gonna hold myself back from <laughs> diving off that deep end yet. Does it make sense to talk through any of the technology or existing products that, that Buxton provides today? Yeah, his, historically, Buxton, when it started, right, this was 30 years ago. And retailers, again, didn't have access to their own information, let alone additional behavioral information about their, their customers. And so that you're very limited in the types of profiles that you could build. And so Buxton has been... We have dozens of statisticians and modelers that have collectively you know, lots of years of experience in, in helping really build these behavioral models of consumers so that you can you can just take lookalike modeling from the old school clusters of psychographic and demographic data into true behavioral driven learning models that help you understand not only who your customers are, but how your interactions with the customers change the behavior. Because we act differently as consumers in different settings. And then we act differently from our propensities based on how the retailer is interacting with us, right? You can draw me in or turn me off with your actions. And so the technologies that we've built to support that are all kinds of um, statistical templates and other tools and a lot of machine learning. And we're right at the forefront of AI. We have been since neural nets and and, and all kinds of other machine learning capabilities have, have uh, evolved over the years. But we're, we're trying to leverage those technologies as much as we can so that we can quickly and automatically adapt the models to that interactive conversation that's going on between a consumer and the brand. But the, uh, the technology platform, it's nothing you could buy off the shelf. It's, uh, it's the result of 30 years of um, mission-specific tailoring to, uh, to this specific problem, right? Which is, how do I best understand and predict the behavior of a consumer that I'm trying to interact with? Yeah, you, you've heard me just summarize this in my own head the last couple of months, but the way I've described Buxton is the Elevar for offline. So retail, third-party data, et cetera, et cetera. So with, with that in mind for listeners, just to anchor the Elevar-Buxton combination, what, in your own words, what problem are we solving together? Well, I think there's a whole spectrum, right? Which is the beauty. There's not just one thing. But I think the top of the pyramid, the, the, uh, the problem we're trying to solve, and we can solve uniquely, I think, together, is the retailer who has omni-channel relationships with their customers, where they have, they're selling to them in stores and they're selling online, or maybe they're selling in stores, but they're talking to them online, right? It could be a hotel. As a consumer, you reserve the room online and obviously you don't stay online, you go and you stay on the property. But all of those types of relationships where you're talking to your customers through two channels becomes exponentially more complicated. And so we can not only solve the e-commerce only challenges that a brand has and the in-store, but we can combine them in, in that omni-channel. We've seen the explosion of e-commerce and it, that's not going away. And the stores haven't just closed either. So this is an increasingly important problem for retailers to solve. Yeah. And the growing marketplaces that... So it's not just Amazon anymore. You have TikTok shop, you have these different pop-up App, like, well, just social apps and use TikTok Shop and Amazon as too. They just talking to our customers, they're essentially they're another channel. So it's another channel where I have a friend here in Charleston that has a brand and they, they're very heavy on some of these 
non-website marketplaces, so TikTok shop or others, but they're like, do we spend money? Do we spend money in Facebook? Do we create that halo effect? We have really no way of tracking it. We don't know if it's helping increase TikTok or Amazon or or their wholesale or retail locations. Like that that's problem is likely to continue to grow, especially since non-ecom retail still makes up 70%, like the total bucket. So do you when you you talk about omnichannel, it does include thinking about a brand that's selling on their website. They might be selling through their stores. They might be selling through Amazon. They might have a TikTok shop that's also fulfilled and operated and managed all through TikTok. But that's it's a whole spectrum, correct? Absolutely. And the trend that we've seen over time is, you know, originally again before e-commerce, this company was started. The way you marketed to your customers was to put a store there and figure out where you should, where you should put a store, and then how do I attract more people that look like my best customers into the store? And we've seen this evolution with our customers asking us to increasingly solve the problem of. Well, wait a minute. We now have these other channels that we're talking to our customers. Even if they're not buying, the commerce is one piece of it. But the way you advertise, everyone's got a website now. And there are different things that are happening there. And we're trying to figure out not only how to talk to people, but how to do attribution so we can understand what's working, what's not working. And so they're pulling us in in that direction. And it's just going to become... I think new channels will evolve. Right? There'll be more ways that the brands have to talk to their customers. And so this problem isn't going, not going anywhere. I think in reality, it's just going to become increasingly important to competitive advantage for retailers to better manage these relationships with their customers in order to grow. You have a, the phrase that stands out in my head of, we're all consumers. Have you ever had that thought in your head where if this brand just knew me a little bit better and treated me a little bit better like they knew me, then I would spend so much more money? Can you unpack that? Yeah, it's it's why I'm doing this, right? I think having been involved in a lot of different businesses, my motor runs on passion. If I'm not excited about something, forget it. I, I, you know, it's it's hard it's hard to keep me from getting distracted. But throughout my entire career, I, I recognized early on in some of the circumstances I was in, it, just how much there's a gap <laughs> between the way the retailer or the brand wants to talk to their customers and what they're able to actually do. And as a consumer. You know, I, I somehow it hit home for me early on, and it's like, man, it's 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 rare. You know, there there are a lot of brands where I'll I'll buy online or I'll look online and I'll buy in the store, and it, you know, varies based based on what the product is and my mood and what they're like and how they treat me and all these things, right? But it's like I'm sure is the case for most people. It's very rare where I go through that experience and don't identify a place where. They could have done something. They could have gotten me to buy more. They could have improved loyalty, put a little more in the loyalty bank with me. If they, if they just would have acted like they really understood me and, and my relationship to the brand. I'm very loyal to a lot of brands because sometimes in spite of them, right? they just have a great product. But a lot of times, it's because the way they interact with me. And it's not a one-size-fits-all model. right? It's really unique to every individual. And not only every individual... But beyond one-to-one marketing, it's every brand-consumer relationship. Yeah, and, and to tie that into the world of Elevar, the customers that are listening, last year was a big year for us with our rollout of session enrichments and enabling better Clavio performance, attentive for performance, Facebook performance. If you pull back like the fancy words of session enrichment and what we named that product, at the end of the day, the goal that we set out for at the end of 2020 22 leading in that 2023 release was we need to do a better job of identifying anonymous users or anyone that's on one of our customers site because really at the end of the day the two jobs that Elevars had to do historically 
Job number one, send 100% of conversions. So a conversion can be a purchase or an add to cart or a page view to every channel connected in Elevar. Job number two is maximize the customer attribution, order, session, any data associated with that, with that event. Send as much as we could with every event to each channel. So really just unpacking that session enrichment for us was we need to do a better job of recognizing users on a site. When we don't do that, then you aren't sending out as many emails. Facebook isn't going to perform as well because you're not able to match an ad or a click to a, a user action on site, which feeds their whole algorithm of bigger prospecting campaigns, a bigger ceiling so you can spend and acquire more. But that's really what you're talking about here is at the end of the day, we, we want all of our brands to be able to recognize 100% of the traffic that's on their site so we can segment them. Are they, are they loyal? Are they, are they new to the site, but they could be potentially high value, very high loyal customers? Where are they in that buying journey so we can trigger the right flows, the right messages, not just in one campaign or an email flow, but across all of... It's like a spider web of all their marketing touch points. So that user does feel like the brand is listening and understands where they are in their journey. Does that resonate? Did I summarize that? Absolutely. And it's a living, breathing thing, I think, is an important dimension that we've always talked about as marketers in the past, but we haven't had the tools to be able to really capitalize on. So how it typically works is a retailer will go and will analyze their customer data and their prospect data, and they'll figure out, well, what is this profile? And, and that's how we do targeting. And how we do that has evolved over time. But now we have the ability combined to be able to factor in this journey, this interaction that the, that the consumer is having in real time and have that inform the analytics so that we can modify our interaction on the fly, right? Not later. It's not this asynchronous process where did they buy? Who are the responders? Who are the non-responders? Now what do I do to market to them? We can be part of the conversation that's going on. And that, I think, will take marketing to a brand new level that that people wish they could do, just haven't had the tools. And here we are combined. We have the capabilities to do this. And we have, we have a ton of expertise. And most importantly, we have a passion to, to solve this problem for retailers. Yeah. I don't think we're going to pull back the curtain on this episode, explaining at least the first couple of products we have rolling out. But we've been working on a few pilots and MVPs the last couple of months. And I, I can tell you as... Again, those you listening, you know I'm a data guy. I'm a data nerd. That's all we talk about in this podcast is, is data related to marketing analytics. When I, I saw the data that Buxton and the capabilities that they had, we started talking through the possibilities of connecting through unique keys. My mind was blown. I had just notes on all these different ideas from complexity low to, to high that there are immediately incremental revenue improvements. So, Jim, I don't think we want to talk too much about the early MVP products on this, right? Or do you? Well, no, I think the joint products, you know, that a lot of that we can uh, we, we can unveil as as we go. But I think what you're referring to is our is our alert product, which is it's an example of some of the things that we can do with the behavioral data and insights that we have. One of the applications is to help retailers understand in their their locations or physical locations how are the stores performing. And what kinds of competitors are impacting them in different stores? And what types of customers are they winning and losing against those competitors? And what should they do about it? And so it's building these analytics and then it's also making them actionable so that the retailer can turn around and actually know what to do. And so taking that to the next level, I think, is a little tease for people on the kinds of products that, that we'll see from us soon. Yeah, it's like picture a mall where you have Nike and Reebok. They're both in that mall and there's you know, 10 of those malls that exist. And Nike is getting a report on, hey, here are the stores that you're 
you're winning more customers over Reebok. Here's the stores you're losing. Here are the type of customers. Here's that breakdown. And it's applying that to our world of the web and combining even. So it's who's on your site that is potentially considering competitor products. Yeah, sure. And then start to think about these new dimensions that I referred to earlier. Your competitor may not even be, might not be Home Depot, and then Lowe's opens on the other corner of the same intersection. It might be that you're, you're a physical store losing to an online competitor or the other way around. You're an online brand and all of a sudden you have some customers that you're actually losing to a new physical store that opened up in a convenient place near your best customers. Those types of insights today are not really captured, even though we all know that it's a problem. We talk about it, but you know, we're going to be able to make real improvements to marketing workflows by, by bringing these insights to bear and making them actionable. So moving on to the the next topic that I have is for the last couple of years, I, I probably for a long time, data equals currency. So it's that's the currency in our world, in our customers' world is is data. And we all know about the headwinds that exist and the tailwinds. So it's both for us. We've lived with tailwinds and headwinds with all the iOS changes. And then we have the privacy changes rolling out heavy in Europe. We've talked a little bit about this, but maybe just to to actually ask the specifics. What are some possibilities when we think about connecting online plus offline data, retail data, third-party data sources? Maybe if we just focus on brands that are solely D2C, so they don't have a retail presence, what are some of the possibilities of, again, those larger data sets that they're never going to be able to capture just because they're web-only, they're online-only? Anything you can tease out or, or share based on your experience or, or what we are envisioning ahead? Well, I have, um, I've spent my entire career in the data world. Um, building different kinds of businesses with different kinds of privacy and regulatory constraints on them. And so I've found that all of that will change. It continually evolves. And so you need to be privacy first in everything that you do, especially around the world with some of the, um, the new legislations around GDPR and other things. But you have to embrace it. It has to be just baked into everything around the way that you acquire data, the way that you manage it, the way that you keep it secure, and your consumer first and privacy first. With that in mind, there's just so much data around, right? And in finding legitimate sources of behavioral clues, and they're all over. They're in public record information. They're in all kinds of derivatives of purchase behavior and intent to purchase behavior. That's a big part of what we do is we have this enriching information that we can combine with first-party purchase behavior and contacts behavior information in order to have these more robust models. So that person who is on your website exists in the terrestrial world. <laughs> and so there are pieces of data that, you know, that are not, not creepy or anything else that inform you about the behavior of that consumer. It really serves as the basis to be able to understand and predict their next behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. As we transition into just getting to the nuts and bolts of Elevar, and I'm sure many customers are thinking like, oh crap, what, what to expect? What's going to happen to Elevar? What's going to happen to my team? What's going to happen to my you know, analyst or whomever that they're working with or Brad or etc. I know I'm here to tell you for me, I'm not going anywhere. This is when I think about like the barbell approach. So how could we have like the perfect fit in terms of enriching our own data sets for our customers to enable amazing opportunities? This like this is it. I'll address some of these in terms of team product, etc. But anything that you want to share for all of our customers, what they should expect short term, long term, or very, very, very long term. Yeah, this is all about growth. This is all about having more resource to attack a problem that 
that our customers need and it's something that you and I in particular are passionate about, right? This is a quest. There is an opportunity here. And the only reason I didn't start a company from scratch to do this is because I, I wanted the head start. And so we have, we have the, the capital to be able to go and invest in solutions that will bring new value to customers at a far faster clip than either of us could do on our own. So uh, this is all about growth. This is exciting. I think it's going to give people a chance to, um, to really spread their wings, right? For us to do this, we have to enable people who share the same vision to excel and be creative and, and help us. I don't know exactly how we're going to do this, right? If, if that was clear, then, then someone would have done this a long time ago because I've been having these conversations for years with people. But I know we'll figure it out together, right? We'll, we'll get in there and we'll scrap it with customers and we'll just, we'll just figure it out. And, and I think we have the commitment to creating something that's truly special that helps deliver on this promise. Right? And every consumer wants a better relationship with the brands they deal with. Every brand wants better relationships with the consumers that they deal with. We're right there. We're at that intersection. Yeah. The, the irony was a little thick or it got to be really thick last year as I, I try to spend a lot of time talking to customers just like all, all of our team does. And we are hearing the ask from our customers and our partners of how can we or how can Elevar or are there other solutions in the market that can help us solve this problem? How can we do better, not not just in personalization on site, but in personalization in their marketing activities since nobody sees a brand one time and buys. It's 7, 8, 9, 10, 20 touch points. And it's such a it's a black hole. It's a it's a it's a black box, and that has continued to grow. So it was good to hear. I know a couple of customers listening to this podcast. I was talk to you about these because you explained some of these problems. So hopefully this is resonating with you. And then I think just in the world of Elevar, if I rewind five to six years ago, we were probably known as the data layer for Shopify. So it's you need a data layer and just plug in tagging and tracking and send it any tool. Yeah, you know, Elevar was was the one. And that became it's the it's like the elephant growth approach that I think HubSpot modeled, where that that became table stakes for us. So then we moved on to server side tracking, especially accelerated with iOS and other other changes in the the market industry. We attacked that problem. It's like okay, how can we ensure we have 100% conversions tracked? Solve that. That to me is table stakes. Talk about that in LinkedIn very very frequently, where it should no longer be a question that you can send 100% conversions or capture and send to each channel. That should be table stakes. Our customers know it's table stakes, but if that's not you and you're still wondering why am I missing all these events, that's table stakes in our world. And then most recently, we've gotten into the okay, the identity game and how to identify users on site so we can turn Elevar into more of an ROI. So you plug Elevar into your site and you just make more money through your direct marketing channels. To me, that's also not that far away from being table stakes. So that should also be table stakes. So for for us as we've we've evolved as a company and a brand, it's I spend a lot of time. I try to live in the future. Speaking to our customers, I live in the future of six to twelve months out. So I've been thinking about that. Rewind a year ago, where do we need to be two years from now? What happens if there's no tracking and it's all through a browser API? So you can no longer have tracking scripts on site, and you need to ingest everything from the browser. How could that change things? All the permutations of what Apple's doing and Google, and it's like every six months they have the back and forth whack-a-mole match. So there's always all these different scenarios, and it, it's uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the potential to again move on to that next phase, and which I won't only in the category at this point, but the next phase that we are going to build and revolutionize 
And people will look up to that, like, how do I get that? How does that become table stakes for, for me? So with that, Elevar, yeah, your team's going to, you're not going to lose anyone. You're going to, the same people you're working with today, they're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. If anything, you're going to see more exciting features and exciting rollouts for you in the next three, six, 12 months and, and beyond. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an exciting time. I was going to say, it wasn't meant to be a mic drop moment, but uh, should we do a call for any early adopters? I know we have a few a few that are in the pipeline that we're working on. I won't, won't name names, but should we do a call for any early adopters that want uh, potentially exposure to some of the these new uh, new new uh, MVP and new products that we're working on behind the scenes? I think that would be great. I think any of the current LFR customers that do have a physical presence, some kind of stores or locations that they're dealing with, that wants to explore how we can combine that online and offline interaction that they're having with their customers and and come up with new insights and then find unique ways to be able to deliver that into their existing workflow automation. We're ready to go. We're already working with a handful of customers just in the initial days here that, that want to be the early adopters for this. So yeah, come join the party. Awesome. Well, uh, any other parting words before we wrap up? No, I'm just looking forward to this. You know, I've uh, this has been a niche that I've been trying to scratch for a long time, and I just I, I just love the fit, the cultural fit, the product fit, the vision fit between the organizations, and uh, I just can't wait to see what we do together. Yeah, likewise. All right. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in to this special episode. As Jim mentioned, if you are interested in some of that, getting a sneak peek of what's happening behind the scenes, just shoot me an email, Brad at Elevar. You can have Shane, uh, Shane.gamble at LOR as well. Jim, obviously, will uh, get pulling you a loop on, on these these calls and convos. But yeah, that's it. And I will we'll be back to a normal episode more than likely next week. We'll be back into I don't know talking about what's going on with privacy and the the big Google consent mode v two that's getting ready for a rollout in March, which is a hot topic. So that's it for this episode. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for joining. Thanks. Let's go change the world. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. In order to help spread the word and just support the podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, share it on Twitter, share it on LinkedIn, send it to colleagues, or just send me feedback. I love reading feedback. I appreciate it. Many of the guests that have been on here, they've just emailed saying, hey, I'd love to join. Here's some topics. That could be you. Just shoot me an email or hit me up on LinkedIn. My email is brad at getelevar.com. And if you enjoy this podcast and you want to give us a rating, I would appreciate that as well. You can rate us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you are listening to this. But at the end of the day, if you could just share this and let others learn more about the world that you live in, the world that I live in with e-commerce and conversion tracking, I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.